Thank you. You may be seated. This time, we have a special time this morning that we're going to honor and recognize our pastor today. And we're going to turn that over to Angie now and let her do what she needs to do. Ken, this is your life. As a part of Pastor Appreciation Day, we have brought several old friends to Chattanooga to enjoy this day with you. In a few moments, you will hear the voice of special guest number one, at which point you will have approximately 10 seconds to identify who this special guest is. At that point, the special guest will be presented to you for the enjoyment of being reunited with you. Here is special guest number one. Congratulations, Pastor Ken, on serving the good people of Temple Baptist Church Here for the past 15 years. We have known you much longer. We knew when you used to preach in yellow suits. Who do you think would remember that? Sounds like Earl. Okay, All right, Earl and Louise Carlson. They attended the Maranatha Baptist Church and Brother King Pastor in the 1970s. Brother, we love you. 
Here is special guest number two. Hi, Brother Ken. We used to meet in the shavings at the tabernacle. That's my pastor. Brother Richard Horney, Brother Ken's pastor from Bible Way Baptist Church. is special guest number three. Brother Ken, I remember you as the one who first gave me my first strong drink, and I live to tell about it. Who am I? I'm not sure about that one. Ladies and gentlemen, James Trivet. Sue and Andrew, Brother Ken's younger brother. I gave him kerosene. <laughs> Special guest number four. Brother Ken, I was at the Boone Gospel Tabernacle on a Sunday morning in 1972. You got saved. I saw you a week later, and wow, what a difference in your appearance. And we were also there as you made your first steps. Uh, on your journey as a preacher. Sure. Beanie and Madge Green, Brother Ken preached for the first time in their church at Worship Point in Lenore, North Carolina, 
the sixth and final special guest. Brother Ken, April 2nd, 1972. God's plan set up. All Kenny has to do is ask forgiveness. And I'm sure Sherry didn't know about the plan, but you did. And you guys have been three partners side by side all these years. It's a good life. That's Phil. Phil and Paula Smalling. They led Brother Ken, uh, Brother Paul, uh, Brother Phil, <laughs> led Brother Ken to the Lord. He was also a Sunday school teacher. guests could not be with us, but they come to you via satellite. You may just want to turn around and watch, but uh, it'll be on the screen. <coughs> this is coming via satellite from Saluda, North Carolina, to my good friend, Kenneth Trivia on his 15th anniversary at Temple Baptist Church. We send greetings to you, Kenneth, from Tom and Cindy and Alethea and Angela and Acacia and Annabelle, too. And I've written you a little song I want to sing for your anniversary. I hope it's a blessing, too. Kenneth, oh, Kenneth, I'm so proud of you and the church and the staff and the whole blessed crew. This milestone you've passed is a record so true. Kenneth, oh, Kenneth, I'm so proud of you. Kenneth, oh, Kenneth, I'm so proud of you. And Sherry and the boys and the grand young'uns too. This gallstone, I mean, this milestone you've passed is a record so true. Kenneth, oh Kenneth, I'm so proud of you. Kenneth, oh Kenneth, I'm so proud of you. And your sermons and your website and all that you do. This gravestone, this milestone you pass is a record so true. Kenneth, oh Kenneth, I'm so proud of you. This is my favorite verse, this is just for you, Kenneth. Kenneth, oh Kenneth, I'm so proud of you. 
and your friendship and kindness and your love through and through. This flamestone, this milestone you passed is a record so true. Kenneth, oh Kenneth, I'm so proud of you. Happy anniversary. I believe we need to pray. Yeah.
Brother Ken, on behalf of our special guests from Temple Baptist Church, we want to say we love you and happy 15th anniversary. trouble or strife we will live through the ages by that beautiful tree of life where some glad tomorrow with the saints i'll stand i'll put on a crown and walk around i love a god promise land
special. And I must say, it's been the best 15 years of my life. I wouldn't trade it for anything. We've watched your kids grow up. You've watched our kids grow up. We've watched you become grandparents, and you've watched us become grandparents. We have saw you lose loved ones. You saw us lose loved ones. We have saw your children get married. We have saw many times your heart's broken. You saw our hearts broken. And we're family. And I thank God for you. And I love you this morning. And I love the Lord for letting us come back home to Temple 15 years ago. I'm glad that Calvary came through, and I want to point you to him this morning. I want you to get a fresh glimpse of Calvary today. I hope you do.
I want them to do a song they did last Sunday night uh, called Give Him All the Praise and Glory. I'm a bit overwhelmed with all of this, but I want God to get all the praise and glory. And I thank Him for it. Let's do this song and then I'll bring it back.
There's a song and a melody ringing out in my heart today. It's a song of a heart that's been changed, a glorious song of praise. When I was lost, you came and you found me. When I was bound, you set me free. Now I praise for all these done. We'll do the offering again. All right. You can be seated. <laughs> Trio's going to sing and then I'll bring it. We'll do the offering at the end of the service. God for a church where we can worship. We ain't got to be ashamed of it. Thank God for our pastor. Thank God for him.
God is good. God is good all the time. Let's all stand. These folks are praying. I appreciate everything this morning. I'll say a word about all that in a moment. But uh, nothing. Greatest gift you could give me. The greatest gift I could receive. See, folk just coming, giving things to the Lord and making things right with the Lord and you worshiping God and enjoying being saved. God is good to us, isn't he? He's good all the time. I've told this story before, but I remember a number of years ago, I lived, when I lived in Hickson, uh, just down the street from it was another preacher, an older preacher. He's with the Lord now. And I remember one day I was just walking and I passed his house. It was at night. I didn't see him, but he was sitting up there on the porch and he hollered at me. So we got to talking. I said, how are you doing? He said, doing fine. God's good. He said, I got up this morning. I didn't have cancer. God's good. He said, I got up this morning. The house hadn't burned down. God's good. He named several things. And we, we talked and I fellowship. But I went on down the road got thinking about it. If I had got up this morning with cancer, he's still good. The house had burned down. He's still good. He's good all the time. It's never a moment that he is not. God, and there's never a moment that he's not good. Let's sing this one time, a couple of times, whatever, and then we'll share with you. Amen. standing if the ushers will please come forward we're going to receive the regular tithes and offering at this time we'll be receiving a special offering at the end for brother ken and that's why we need to do this at this time we don't mean to break things up but we're we pay jesus it serves it pays to serve jesus the longer i serve him the sweeter he goes it's good to know that this morning let's have a word of prayer then we'll receive the offering and then brother ken will come and bring the message lord we want to thank you for this day lord we thank you for our pastor we thank you for your many blessings, Lord, and we pray that as we receive this offering, we'll let you bless us, Lord. Bless our church as we continue to do that, which you have us do. Bless us through the day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I love Brother Kim because he preaches good. Brother Kim is the best preacher I know. Happy anniversary, Brother Kim. I love Brother Kim because he knows how to make you listen. Thanks, Brother Ken, for being our preacher for all these 15 years. Happy anniversary, Brother Ken. Thank you for being my pastor. 
I love Brother Ken because he loves the Lord. We love you, Brother Ken. Thanks for being our pastor. Happy 15th anniversary, Brother Ken. I love Brother Ken because he preaches the gospel and because he's always there when we need him. I love you, Brother Ken, and you're so good because you preach the gospel. We love you, Brother Ken, because you're such a great preacher. <laughs> I like Brother Ken because his hairdo is cool. I love my pastor because he's always nice to me, and when I'm in trouble, he helps me, and he always has a good sermon, and it's not boring like most preachers to me. And that's all. I appreciate my pastor because he's nice to me and he plays jokes on me. He's fun, and whenever I'm in his sermons, he looks around at me and plays with me. I appreciate the pastor because of his love for the church and uh, he's always behind everything. If anybody wants to go somewhere, he's always behind them and, and I just appreciate the pastor. My name's Travis and I just want to say I'm glad that I appreciate my pastor because he's my pastor. Even though I haven't joined yet, I'm going to. So when I join, then I can say why he's, my, why he's a good pastor. Uh, this is Daniel. I thank my pastor for his wonderful short sermons so we can get in Ryan's on time. I don't have to wait in a long line. I love my pastor because he walks with the Lord and he preaches the gospel. I appreciate my pastor because he doesn't compromise the truth of Scripture. I appreciate my pastor because he studies hard and he preaches hard and he's always on top of things. And that's the way it should be. Brother Ken, I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness and thank you for those wonderful sermons that have helped aid me in my growth spiritually. And I owe a big, a big part of that to you. And thank you for all you are to me and my family. Brother Ken, we appreciate you for your faithfulness to the church and your wonderful sermons that has helped me in my life. But we know you couldn't be what you are to, today without the help from Miss Sherry. Brother Ken, we appreciate you and we admire you for anybody who can raise the three types of sons that you have and still be able to stand in that pulpit and preach. We really admire you and appreciate you. Happy anniversary, Brother Ken. <laughs> who was it that talked about getting out on time? Daniel? You're going to get out a little later than normal today. <laughs> I want you to know that. Let me say thank you for everything. I, I had no idea about any of this. I'm a little bit overwhelmed. 
so many folks here that are special to our life. It's so good to see you. Feel good to see you. It's been 25, close to 30 years. Phil was teaching the Sunday school class the Sunday morning got saved. And he did something that day that the Lord really used. Phil came into the class and he said, we're going to do something today. He said, I want all of you to tell me when you got saved. I want all of you to tell me how you got saved. And he started going around the room. I was sitting in the very back of the room. Of course, we're sitting up here in the choir area of the old tabernacle. And I was so thankful that he didn't get to me because I'd made a profession of faith or I'd gone to an altar in a revival meeting when I was about 12 years old, but I hadn't done anything, and I knew that. And so all the teenagers started telling about when they got saved, started telling about how they got saved. It didn't get to me. I was so glad. But that was Easter Sunday, 1972. And Brother Richard, he led me to the Lord that morning. And I appreciate Brother Richard. What a blessing. He led me to Christ, licensed me, ordained me, married me and Sherry. He's had such a great part in our life. Thrilled me, honored me to see you come in. And Earl and Louise, they were members of the church I pastored in uh, Wilkesboro, North Carolina. I've not had any dear friends. I'm talking about real genuine friends uh, than the Carltons. And it's so good to see them here. And Dad, and Deanna, Sherry's dad. And, and then my brother James. Let me clarify what he's talking about, that strong drink. If you knew my brother, he probably never drunk anything strong in his life. But we was little fellas, and I was living in Lexington, North Carolina at the time. I reckon Dad had been painting, and he had washed a brush out in a, in a quart jar, and it was white, white paint, so you had to, whatever. I told him his milk. <laughs> he drunk it. They had to carry him to the hospital, pump his stomach out, and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Tried my best to kill him young, but he couldn't do it. <laughs> and then all the others. And Benny. Oh, what that blessed my heart. The first church I ever preached in, outside of my home church, was Worship Point in Lenore, North Carolina. Benny, that was thrilled my heart. Your dad, I loved him. I miss him so much. Think about him so often. But uh, all of you, I cannot tell you how much I appreciate what you've done and how you've gone out of the way for me. It has been our joy these 15 years. And like the slide said at the end there, I really believe it's just the beginning. I'm excited about it. And maybe two or three years we'll be in that new auditorium and, and just I'm excited about all the things that's going on. Aren't you? I praise the Lord for it. I want you to look at Matthew 7 for just a few moments this morning. Matthew chapter 7. And I want you to stand as we honor the reading of his word. And then we'll look forward to the fellowship with all of you after the service this morning. We've been looking at first things first. Been looking at the scripture at some of the first in the Bible. Things that are identified as priorities in our life. The priorities because Jesus said this is to be first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. First cleanse the inside. Many of the first we have looked at. Priorities, things that are to be first in our life. I want us to look at one more today. It's a final one. And I want us to think about getting the two before out first. Now, I'm glad you did all of these things before the message because you may not have done them once I got through with the message. Amen? But look at Matthew 7 beginning in verse 1. Judge not 
that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite. First, there's our first. First cast out the beam out of thine own eye. Then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Thank you. you. may be seated. Let's pray and then this morning, and I will be brief. I want us to think about getting the two before out first. Our Father, this morning in Jesus' name, I first must thank you for your goodness. I am so unworthy, Lord, of all that you've done for me. I am so unworthy, Lord, of my salvation. I am so unworthy of my call. I am so unworthy of all the blessings these years have brought. I'm unworthy of the gifts of God that you have put in my life. I am unworthy of these folks. I'm unworthy of these things today. But I ask you, Lord, that you would take all of these things and use them in my heart and all of our hearts that you might get greater glory from our life and that you might be magnified in many, many ways. Now, Father, speak to us today. We do want to know what is to be first in our life. We do want to know what is to be a priority in our life. We want to do what pleases you. We want to do what glorifies you. So, Lord, speak to us today through your word. Give us something that will help us in the days to come, something that will help us today and even in the days to come. Fill me now with thy spirit, and we'll praise you and thank you. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I said, we've been thinking about first things first. We've been looking at some of the first in the Bible. And the five that we have looked at, five of them today will make six. But the five that we have looked at have dealt primarily with our relationship with God. As I said, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That's our relationship to God, being right with Him and Him being Lord of our lives. And seeking cleansing first the cup as the parable spoke of. That is, there must be an inward cleansing that gives us our relationship to God. But all the first we have looked at in the past have had to do with our relationship with God. But the last one that I want us to look at has to do with our relationship with one another. It has to do with our relationship with other people. The Bible has a lot to say about our relationship one with another. And when you look at the words of our Lord in Matthew 7, He talks to us about our relationship with each other. I am mindful today that there are some folk that can't get along with anybody. I heard about one fellow that was marooned on a desert island. And he had lived alone on that island for years. No one else on the island. There he was all by himself for years and years and years. But finally one day he was rescued. And when his rescuers came ashore, they noticed there were three huts on the island. They were somewhat puzzled about why there were three huts, seeing there was only one man on the island. So they asked him, they said, what is that hut? He said, oh, that's my house. That's where I've lived all these years. They said, well, what's that hut over there? And he said, that's where I go to church. And then they said, well, what's that hut over there? He said, oh, that's where I used to go to church. Well, again, there's some folk, <laughs> as you know, that could not get along with themselves, much less get along with others. But Jesus talks about getting along with others. He talks about our relationship with others, and he specifically deals with the matter of judging others. 
And Matthew 7, he is talking about the best way I know how to describe it, those who sit on their self-righteous perch, milking their sanctimonious chin and looking down their holier-than-thou nose, criticizing others, judging others. He says in verse 5, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye. He tells us there is something that we first must do. Let me give you the points very quickly. I want you to look at the text, and I just draw three things to your attention. One, I want you to notice in the text the role that we take on ourselves. The role that we take on ourselves. Look at verse 1 and 2 again. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. In those words, Jesus describes how there are times that we take on ourselves a role. A role that is not rightfully ours to take on. Let me explain to you for one thing. You notice in what Jesus said that he talked about a judgment we await. A judgment we await. You see, embedded in what Jesus said is the thought of a judgment that is out there in the future. That there is a judgment that we all face, that we are awaiting a future judgment. For you notice in verse 2 that he said, Ye shall be judged. Not may, not might, but ye shall be judged. Now you listen to me carefully this morning. You may not like the subject, but the simple truth of the matter is, there's coming a day that every one of us is going to stand before God. There's coming a day that I'm going to stand before God. There's coming a day that you are going to stand before God. Hebrews 12, 23 speaks of God as the judge of all. The Bible said in 2 Timothy 4, 8 that he is the righteous judge. And Hebrews 10, 30 said the Lord shall judge his people. You see, there's coming a day when I'm going to stand before God. And I'm going to stand before God and give an account of my life. And one of these days, everybody in this, under the sound of my voice, you are going to stand before God. And you're going to give an account to God for your life. The Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians 5, 10, that I'm going to give an account for what I've done with my life, whether it be good or bad. Even Matthew goes as far to tell me that I'm going to give an account on the day of judgment of every idle word that I have spoken. Jesus is reminding us that there is a final court of judgment. He's telling us that one day we will be judged. We will stand before God. That's the judgment we await. But look at something else. You not only see in our word, Lord's words the judgment we await, but the judgment we assume. You see, in our text, Jesus describes how certain ones take upon themselves the role of judging. He describes how there are certain ones that become judge and jury over another person's life or over other individual's life. He's reminding us that the role of judge and judgment is not ours. That the role of judge and judgment belongs solely to God and exclusively to God. I am going to be judged by God. I am not the judge. I want to remind you this morning that you are not the judge in this world. You have not been assigned a seat on a bench. You have not been issued a black robe by God. You are not judge and jury of other individuals' life. That's a role that's reserved for God and for God alone. Can I get an amen right there? When we ride range over other people's lives and we sit in judgment on other people's lives, you know what you're trying to do? You're trying to play God. Now, you're not God. I don't want to disappoint any of you today, but you're not God. And you, because you're not God, you don't have the right to judge. And you don't have the right to criticize. That is a role, that is a responsibility that we have no right to assume. That's why Jesus said in verse 1, Judge not that you be not judged. 
He was telling us that if we judge others, we're going to be judged ourselves for judging others. He said in verse 2, For what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. Can I put it in a nutshell what Jesus is saying? Jesus is saying, if you want to play God, go right ahead. But one of these days, you're going to meet the God. And you'll find out who is God, and He'll judge you in the same measure you've judged others. You see, there's a role that we take on ourselves. We judge others. But I want you to look at the second thing Jesus talked about. He not only talked about a role that we take on ourselves, that is, we begin to play God, and we begin to sit in judgment on others, but He also talked about a review that we take of ourselves. You notice carefully that Jesus talked about, instead of us being judge and jury, of others, that the thing we're to be concerned about is our own lives. It's like the old Negro song goes, it's not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, O Lord. Jesus tells me that instead of judging others, there should be a personal review of our own lives. Look at it more closely. He talks about the failures we criticize in others. The failures we criticize in others. Look at verse 3. He said, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? Verse 4, how or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye? Now, here's what Jesus is describing. He's describing someone that finds a fault or a failure in another individual's life. And the fault and the failure that they find is based on their own standards and their own opinions. Not necessarily God's, but their own standards and their own opinions. And so because of their own standards and opinions, then they find fault or failure in someone, and then they sit in judgment on that individual, judging them, criticizing the things that they think is wrong in their life. For example, the word beholdest. The word literally means to stare at. It's almost like Jesus is talking about somebody that is looking for something in someone's life. They're just staring at them, watching their lives, just looking for one thing they disagree with, looking for one thing they're displeased with so they can judge and so they can criticize. And he told about those, and he even goes in verse 4, suggests that they even go as far as to confront that individual. Why pullest thou the moat? He talks about confronting that what they think is wrong. In other words, Jesus is talking about we're finding fault in someone else's life. He's talking about when we talk about others and put others down and criticize and sit in judgment over individuals' lives. The failures we criticize in others. But notice, here's the heart of the whole story. There's the failures that we not only criticize in others, but we consider in ourselves. Look at verse 3. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? In verse 4, Jesus speaks of a person judging as having a beam in their eye. Here's one that is judging someone because they have found a moat in someone else's eye. But the one that's doing the judging has got a beam in their eye. What is he talking about? The little word moat. It's an old English word that talks about something that is very small and insignificant. For example, the word was used to speak of a speck of dust. Sometimes the word was used to speak of a splinter in a finger. You might put it this way. Jesus said, you're judging someone because you found a splinter in their eye. Or you found something in, your life, in their life that you don't like or you don't agree with. Or maybe there is a fault there. Maybe there is failure there. But there's a splinter they have picked out in that individual's life. But he said all the time, you've got a beam in your eye. See the word beam? It literally means a plank. We would think of a two-by-four. Now, here's what Jesus said. You're 
criticizing and judging somebody because of a splinter in their eye. And all the time there's a two before hanging out of your eye. What Jesus said, the issue is you need to look at your own life. Not so much the splinters in other people's eyes. You need to consider the beam that is in your own eye. Now, we all know of folks that criticize. Are you with me now? Say amen. amen. And folks that are judgmental. I had a preacher tell me this. He told me this for the truth. Now, whether it's the truth or not, I don't know. But he said he got a call one night from a lady. He said, I need to talk to you, preacher. So he went over to the house. said he went in. said she had backer juice running out both sides of her mouth. And she said, preacher, I need you to pray for my sister. And he said, what is it about your sister? And he said, I need you to pray for my sister. She is started wearing lipstick. Well, sometimes we see moats when there's beams hanging out of our eye. He says the truth. I don't know if it was or not. Say amen. I want you to listen to something that T. DeWitt Talmadge said. T. DeWitt Talmadge was a great preacher in the early part of this century in, in Brooklyn, New York. I want you to listen to what he had to say. He said, and I quote, I lay this down as a rule without exception, that those people who have the most faults themselves are the most merciless in their watching of others. From the scalp of head to the soles of foot, they are full of jealousies and hypercriticisms. They spend their life hunting for muskrats and mud turtles instead of hunting for Rocky Mountain creatures and soaring eagles. They're always looking for something mean instead of something grand. I've found this through the years. I say amen to that. I found through the years that those who are always criticizing others and those that are always sitting in judgment on others are the ones that have the most things in their life to be criticized. But Jesus said, hey, look, the issue is not the splinter in your brother's eye. The issue is the beam in your own eye. So he's telling us, you've got to review your own life. You've got to deal with beams in your own life. That leads me to a third and a final thing. That is the requirement we take for ourselves. He said in verse 5, thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye. Then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. In closing, just let me say two words about what Jesus' requirement he gave. One, what first must be done. What first must be done. Jesus said the first thing we must do is remove the beam out of our own eye. You know what matters the most in this building today? is you and your relationship to God. The issue today is, are you saved? I've had talked to people before, and I'd say, are you a Christian? Uh, and they'd say, no. Try to get them to come to church. No, I don't go down there because there's hypocrites in the church. And I won't say to them, yes. There's always been hypocrites in the church. And as long as we live, there'll be hypocrites in the church. But a hypocrite's not worth you going to hell over. See, what matters is not the hypocrites. What matters is you being right. What matters is you being saved. What matters is you knowing Christ is your Savior. See, the issue today, it matters, what, what, am I right with God? It's not does so-and-so have a splinter over here in their life. Maybe there is something over there wrong. And maybe it's not right. And maybe there's sin there. But what matters today is am I right with God? Can I lay my head down on my pillow at night singing nothing between my soul and the Savior? Do I know that I'm saved? Do I know that I'm in fellowship with God? Do I know that I'm where I ought to be with God? That's the issue. Deal with beams in your own life. You know what Jesus wants you to do this morning? You say, well, I know so-and-so, and so-and-so's done this, and so-and-so's done that. Listen to me. God is judge, and He will judge. God will take care of that, and God will take care of them. The issue today is you. 
Are you right with God? Are you serving God? Are you walking with God? Are you clean before God? Do you belong to God? Are you in the will of God? That's the issue today. Deal with the beams that's in your life. That's what first must be done. Then there's something interesting. He not only talks about what first must be done, but then he also has a word about what finally can be done. Notice the words there, the latter part of verse 5. And then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Now he suggests and indicates that there is a role in which we help another brother and the mote's in their eyes. But Jesus is saying, look, you can't clearly see how to help somebody else until first of all you've got help yourself. You can't clearly see how to do something for someone else until, first of all, you dealt with beings in your life. But once you deal with beings in your life, then you'll be able to help the brother that has a moat in their life. In other words, Jesus is telling us, this is first. Now listen to me. I remind you of it again. We've been talking about it for six weeks now. When God says something is first, then that's a serious matter. And when God says this is first, then that's priority. That's not something you put on the shelf. That's not something you put down here, number two, number three, number four, number five. First is first. And one of the things he tells me to do is that I deal with my own life first before I'm able to help others. So let me just sum it up this way. You ever find yourself tempted to criticize and judge others? I do. I'll be honest with you. I've had too many friends that's disappointed me. And I've had too many friends that broke my heart and I wanted sometimes just to get them and grab them by the collar and say, you knew better. How foolish could you have been? But I am not judged. What Jesus is telling me, look, when you look at others and their moats, you ought to say, but for the grace of God, there go I. And you ought to look at our own self and say, you gotta, Trevor, you've got to be dead every morning. And Trevor, you've got to be nailed to the cross every day. And you've got to be full of the Holy Spirit. It's the own beams in our life that we've got to deal with. Next time you're tempted to say critical things of others and pass judgment on, just remember what Jesus said. First, get the two before out of your own eye. Amen? And stand their feet, please. Now, that was a short sermon. But I'll make up for it tonight. You make sure of that. But what is your relationship to God? I wonder across this auditorium today, how many of you know without any question and know without any doubt, Christ is my Savior. Jesus lives in my heart. Would you lift your hands? Thank you. We're going to sing, and I know I serve is a little longer and different than normal, but I'm going to tell you something. I want to remind you of something. If you're in this building today, you're unsaved. There is nothing, nothing any more important than you coming to Jesus Christ doing exactly what I did on that Sunday morning when Phil Smallin had teenagers give their testimonies and Brother Richard brought the Word of God and knelt down beside me and showed me from the Word of God that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. The most important thing you could ever do in your life is what I did that Easter Sunday, 1972. You ought to get up out of your seat and come this morning. Your relationship to God. Listen to me. You're thinking, well... I know so-and-so, and they claim they was a Christian. Listen, God will take care of them. You don't want to go to hell over them. You don't want to go to hell over anything anybody's done. I've seen too many preachers fall, and I've seen too much mess. True, and God will take care of it, but it, you don't want to go to hell over somebody else's mistake. 
You don't want to go to hell over somebody else's hypocritical life. You want, to go to, you want to go to heaven. You don't want to go to hell. And you ought to come today. And then there may be those in the room today. You're not where you ought to be with the Lord. You ought to come. There's some that need to come join the church, Travis, and others like that. <laughs> Amen? And this is where the Lord is leading you. You come when we sing, Father, we thank you for what is first. We want these things to be first. Help us to live in our relationship with you. And Father, even our relationship with others. May we always be mindful of what you make a priority. May our own relationship to you be a priority. And we'll thank you for what you do now in these closing moments. In Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake we pray. Amen. As we